On this week's show, we're going to continue our core strategy series. And this week, we're going to be talking about demand service call part two. Welcome to Cracking the Code, the show that helps you overcome the challenges you face every day in contracting and keeps you on the cutting edge of emerging trends and best practices. Now, before we get started with today's content, I want to throw out a special offer to all of you non-EGIA members. Click the Join button at the top right, then select the Plus Membership. We'll give you access to the full courses so you can start to take your business to the next level. So last week, we began the discussion, you know, what are the top characteristics of a really successful service technician, right? Well, number one, you got to use a process, right? you got to have that demand call process. So you know what you're doing on every single call. At the end of the day, it's going to come down to one thing. you got to diagnose problems and you got to recommend solutions. I want to share a quick video that outlines the necessity to do this and to make sure that you're paying attention to everything with respect to the homeowner's home. Residential HVAC service technicians spend a lot of time in places like this. Funny thing is, on their way through mechanical rooms to get here, they walk past thousands of dollars, thousands of dollars in additional repairs and accessory sales. Why do they do it? Because they have blinders on and they just don't see the opportunities. Imagine this scenario. Suppose you had a problem with your shoulder. You go to the doctor, he takes an x-ray of your shoulder, he gives you some kind of shot, you're good as new. The crazy thing is though, the day after they fix your shoulder, you have a massive heart attack. It almost kills you. They rush you off to ICU, you're in ICU for weeks and weeks, you can't work, your medical bills go to the ceiling, your family's all upset. I mean, it's really, really major trauma. It turns your whole life upside down. A couple of months in the ICU, you see the shoulder doctor walking down the hallway. You lean over and you say, hey, shoulder doc, what are you doing? He looks in the ICU, he sees you laid there on the monitors and, and all the machinery, and he looks at you and he says, what happened to you? And you say, doc, it's the craziest thing. The day after you fixed my shoulder, I have a massive heart attack. It almost killed me. The shoulder doctor looks at you and says, well, I'm not surprised. I thought you were gonna have a heart attack the day you were in my office. And you say, what, you knew I was gonna have a heart attack? The shoulder doctor says, yeah, your heart was skipping beats, it was bouncing all over the place. I thought it was gonna explode right there in my office. You turn to the doctor and you say, Doc, why didn't you tell me I was fixing to have a heart attack? The shoulder doctor looks at you and says, Hey, pal, you came to see me about your shoulder. How would you feel about your doctor if he fixed your shoulder and ignored your heart attack? You wouldn't like it very much, would you? Because we have an expectation that the professionals in our lives, if they find out about additional problems, they bring them to our attention. But you know what? Our service technicians are doing that every day. They go in with a laser focus to fix the air conditioner or furnace, but they ignore the heart attack going on with the indoor air quality or with the water heater. Why do they do that? Well, because they don't have the training to take advantage of those opportunities. And why don't they have the training? Well, because in most cases, it's too expensive and it just doesn't work. But we fix that. We've developed programs that are super convenient and affordable. And we've done that through a powerful online platform. You know, as I said in the video, you wouldn't have much faith in your doctor if he, you know, ignored the heart attack. Well, how many times do we walk in the house and we ignore the heart attack? We fix the main problem that the homeowner called us about, but we ignore the additional problems. Listen, 
The phone call is never going to come in where your homeowner says, hey, I got a problem with my furnace, but I was thinking I should upgrade my air conditioning. And by the way, little Susie has allergies. I need some IQ stuff, and the ductwork needs to be replaced. They're never going to call in with that information, right? They're going to call in with one problem. Your job is to go in and fix that problem, the shoulder, but make sure you don't ignore the heart attacks. Now, one of the things you have to do in terms of your investigation is you got to learn to peel the onion with your homeowner and find out what's really going on. I want to share with you some content here from Gary Ellicks again this week that really talks about how do we dig in and find out what's going on with our homeowner. So let's take a look at some of the questions. How is your comfort in your home, Mrs. Jones? Well, now that you mention it, it sucks. Okay, so this conversation this weekend was, this room doesn't cool, it never has cooled. Even when there's refrigerant in that system, this room doesn't cool. Yes, that's absolutely correct. There's uh, high humidity, there's no return air, because we have supply airs in that room and no return air, there's a central return air in the hallway. You and I both know as professionals that that room is never going to be able to get the full uh, CFM requirements that it needs, even though the supplies are cut where they're supposed to be and they, and they have capability from the standpoint of provision of duct and provision of airflow. There isn't a balance air out versus air in, so ultimately what you're getting is you're getting a restriction simply because of the design. So the answer to that is put a, put a return air in there, which is a labor cut in, that's work to be done, but the customer doesn't know that. Gary knows that because he's an HVAC geek. But at the end of the day, the question I'm going to ask is, you know, how's the total comfort system treating you? You know, how long do you think you might want to live here? When was the last time you had maintenance done? So how is your comfort? High gain. Last time, professional maintenance. Targeted question. How long do you plan to live here? Targeted question. So you see high gain, targeted questions. These questions that are listed here, Again, they're not definitive. In other words, you should create your company version of this. On the site, there's 13 questions that we have our technicians use. That's a document. In fact, I'm going to show it to you a, bit, a little bit later. It's one of our rules that we use. We actually guide the customer through some of those questions. It's a collateral piece of material. The goal is to collect information, but the goal is to listen to the customer, find out what's going on through asking questions. So who's in charge? If I'm asking questions and we're having a conversation and the customer is giving me feedback and I'm listening, I'm checking and confirming, I'm writing down, I'm taking notes, and I'm feeding that back to the client. What I'm in charge and what that screams is not only am I in charge, but I'm inspiring confidence in you that I'm listening to you. When, when you say, well, this room doesn't heat and cool, I'm going to ask, well, how important is it to you that that room actually does heat and cool properly. It sounds like it's important, but why don't you tell me how you feel about that? Tell me how you feel about that is a great question because it inspires that high gain question, right? Well, I would really like that to be the case. I spend a lot of my time here. So there's a great room with a TV in it. And uh, so this is my house I'm talking about. And so that particular room uh, does not cool well. Uh, it heats fine because the TV is in there and the TV throws off an inordinate amount of BTUs. Uh, it's an um, uh, old school uh, TV plasma. So the plasma screens were known for throwing off a lot of heat. It's one of the reasons why they don't last that long. But that TV throws off a ton of heat. So 
during the wintertime, all you got to do is turn the TV on. You don't even need supply in there from a heating point of view. But in the air conditioning season, which is basically most of the time in the south, you turn that TV on, the supply that's being delivered to that room is not enough. So the appliance side of the load calculation never got dealt with. So there's just not enough CFM. Once again, no return air in the room. So the supplies are there, no return air being pulled out. And then the other issue is from a zoning point of view, that's a good example of where a question that would ask, well, how do you live in that room? How do you live in your house? What do you want from your comfort system? How do you live in your house? Where's my question? What are the important parts of your total comfort, right? Any particular living styles where your time is spent? These are the questions that get Gary to say, well, actually, you know, I, I spend a fair amount of time in there on the weekends. Uh, there's golf tournaments. Um, there's college football. There's NFL. Um, it's, the, it's the family room. It's where people locate. Uh, my son, once in a while, would bring his gaming system in there. So yeah, this is where we spend a lot of room. It would be great if we could fix that. So that kind of a conversation would be going on. So if you're listening to that, you're checking and confirming. So Mr. Gary, if I'm hearing you right, this is actually important to you because this is where you spend a majority of your time. And that particular TV is throwing off a lot of heat. And so the heating side doesn't seem to be much of a problem. But right now, you're not getting the air conditioning. You're not getting cool in there. So if I could fix that, is that something that would be interesting to you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's going to depend on budget, of course. We don't want to spend a million dollars. But if it's reasonable, yeah, sure, I'd be interested in that. So this is the checking and confirming conversation that a technician would have. This is setting up either a repair versus replace conversation. It's certainly setting up potential for ductwork modifications, uh, which we can schedule for later in the season when we don't really want to do high labor work. It's also setting up a conversation for potential. If the technician is selling, you're going to take that transaction. But if we obviously uh, have a model where the comfort advisor is selling, this is a lead turnover opportunity for the comfort advisor. Now, once we have this relationship process in full swing, right, because you got to have the relationship, the next thing is to start digging deeper and find out the real problems that your homeowner may have. The bottom line is you got to have the relationship and you got to find the pain. When you find the pain with your homeowners, you're in a much better position to offer the solutions. Let's join Gary once again for some conversation on this very topic. Depends on your model of who you are and what you're doing. Certainly, if this is a maintenance technician, and we had this particular discussion with a client relative to maintenance, meaning that there is no breakdown. You're not out there because there's an air conditioning problem. You just went out there on a maintenance call. You can still ask these questions. The engagement with the maintenance technician is huge because this is how you define the future work patterns. In other words, maintenance technicians can generate an inordinate amount of work through our existing customer base who already love us and have a relationship with us because we simply mastered the idea of technique, high gain questions, targeted questions, close-end questions. Mr. Gary, your maintenance looks great. We took care of everything. Would you mind if I spend a little bit of time and just reviewed it with you? Sure, go right ahead. So if you don't mind, I'd like to ask you a question. How's everything going within the home? I mean, where you live, how's it going? And I would say, well, yeah, I mean, it's not really going that great. I mean. We're not really ready to spend a lot of money yet, but uh, you know this room doesn't heat and cool properly, and this room doesn't heat and cool properly. Really, tell me about that. You know, what kind of things are you looking at? 
How are your energy bills? You know, those types of things. So you're in a maintenance conversation. You're legitimately asking questions. So it's not about whether there's a diagnostic and a failure and a crisis demand service call. It's a process. Focus on the client, earn the right to advance, persuade them for involvement, understand that questioning is how you control the process, master the questions, internalize the questions, you have the answers. Take notes, check and confirm. Communication is mutual understanding. We both agree and mutually understand what the concept is. So that brings us then to the step six and seven, which ultimately is providing solutions. Now you are ready because you've collected lots of information relative to the gaps. And so I have not set up the gaps, but anytime you have a conversation like this, you're going to end up with consumers that have problems. They have needs, they have wants, and they have desires or interests. Those are gaps from where they are today. Gary's room where he watches TV does not cool properly. That's a gap for me, the homeowner. You've identified that. The master bedroom does not heat or cool properly, either one. That's a gap, okay? The system itself, currently, because it's, you know, got a leak in it somewhere. I'm guessing the leak is probably in the coil. I did not do a leak test on it this weekend, but I am having somebody come out to do that. When they identify that, it may, in fact, be in the coil. So that could be a brand new coil, a brand new system. I don't know which one of those is going to be the outcome, but... There's a, there's a gap. In other words, that system is not keeping temperature right now. So humidification is up. Um, you, know, you, can, you can feel the temperature. You can feel the humidity. Temperature was about 78 degrees. We're calling for 72. Uh, in the evening, it's not, it's not bringing it down. So it's clear that there's a, a loss of refrigerant, loss of capacity for sure. Don't know that for sure it's refrigerant, but I'm pretty sure it is. So the gaps established here are beginning to emerge. This is where you then have the opportunity to provide your solutions. That's where you come back to the earn the right to advance if it's okay with you. Um, I've got some suggestions. I'd like to go over those with you. So you can pull out your collateral material. You can pull out your iPad. You can pull out your flat rate manual. You can legitimately pull out the invoice and you can say, here's some suggestions. This is what I've discovered. Okay. Now, if, you've, if the customer's been with you, and they've walked around the property with you or they've been over the unit and you've had a chance to talk to them, you've been engaging with them all along. So the social styles should be very clear. You should understand from a presentation point of view, you providing a solution at this point. That could be leak repair. Uh, that could be a suggestion that, you know, you're going to spend $800 or $1,000 on repairing the leak. It might actually be in your best interest to just talk about a new system. Is that something that you would like me to communicate? So we're, again, earn the right to advance the sale, persuade through involvement. Well, sure, tell me what that would entail. I mean, I don't want to spend $800. The system, you know, it's an older system. It's probably out of warranty. I don't know. Or the idea that it's in warranty and it would be taken care of, maybe I'll spend the 800 bucks because it's only a three or four-year-old system and it's, it's in warranty. That being said, we don't know what that scenario is until we go through the process of asking and confirming and figuring out what's going on. And then ultimately that brings us to closing. You know, so I can go ahead and schedule that work for you. 
I can schedule a comfort advisor out. We certainly have the repair versus replace. The good news is we've got a great financing package going right now. We've got a great promotion. We can put in a brand new system for you. I mean, there's a million answers down here to the closing the transaction process. We will get to that as a separate video on the big four objections and the idea of closing the transaction and moving forward. I will suggest to you that it's very important that we understand that follow-up is part of this process as well. It's not just closing the transaction. As a service technician, you need to be engaged in the principle that your job isn't done when you close the transaction and move on. Okay, we need to be writing a thank you card in the vehicle. We need to make sure that we put that, you know, handwritten note, put it in there, to bring it to the office so we can snail mail it. Yes, we're going to do it that way. No, it's not acceptable to send an email. Okay, it's much more personalized when you do this. Getting the customer to follow up with a review. If they were satisfied, getting them to, you know, go ahead and log on. There's a bunch of different review systems out there. It's necessary for us to understand that follow-up is part of that process. Okay? So I'm going to go back into the main learning lab, and I'm going to show you some documents that you might want to use that support this process of providing solutions. So getting through here is very important that we understand that step six, getting to the solutions model, is all about having then the support structure of being able to talk to the customer about accessories, maintenance agreements, you know, equipment replacements, pricing if you sell, just moving the transaction forward so that we have the opportunity to make that transaction occur. Let's go. All right, let's pull up a couple of documents. So the first document I'm going to pull up is what we call um, the Home Comfort Options document. So this is uh, what we would use to have a conversation about a variety of things. This could be a conversation about accessories, or it could be a conversation about whole house remediation or air quality. Um, you'll see that there's a discussion here about um, filtration. There's our chart that we use that's part of the site that defines the walkthrough of how we think indoor air quality solutions need to be dealt with on a structured basis. Do this first, do this second. Don't do number five before you do number one. If we don't do the air duct cleaning and we don't get the system cleaned up, then it doesn't make a lot of sense to put in a brand new filtration system. So we're going to discuss that. Um, these are some of our most popular choices that we have. So what I'm showing you, these are the actual collateral materials that a technician would have armed and available as part of his iPad and or a printed set of materials that we could then just open up. And so this is a good conversation with regard to indoor air quality. If we're out on a maintenance call and we're talking to a client and we're asking the question, you know, how's it going? And so somebody says, well, you know, my son suffers from some allergies. Oh, really? Tell me about it. How severe? Uh, high gain question, how severe? Well, very severe, actually. So, okay, well, that's interesting. Um, would you be interested in me just explaining to you a little bit about what we might be able to do and things that you might be able to do that don't cost you any money relative to your home that could improve your indoor air quality? Listen to what I just said. It's not a script, okay? It's, it's knowledge that's transferred from an internalization. Would you be interested, earn the right to advance, in some ideas about what we can do for you? Those are provided solutions. And some ideas about what you can do that don't cost any money. I've literally just invited the customer into a conversation about indoor air quality. Some of them are, are fee for service, and some of them are just understanding what's going on in your home. And most customers don't understand this. So we would, I would literally have my technician, my maintenance tech, would open up to this page, and they would say, well, there's three 
basic problems that occur that irritate people as it relates to the indoor comfort and indoor air quality and allergies and just generally how people react to things. The first one is the allergens, dust, dust mites, just things that are floating around in the air, pollen from the outside. These are things that are going to be negatively impacting somebody that's got allergies. The second one are what we call bioagents, bacteria, viruses, influenza, all kinds of stuff like that. And so we don't control a lot of that, but that definitely can impact what's going on. And we do have some solutions for that. So it's something that we can talk about uh, that we can deal with or some, certainly things that you can deal with. And the third one are what we call volatile organic compounds, or the acronym that we use are VOCs, volatile organic compounds. Those are chemicals, and so those are things that exist in the air. Some of them are very, very, uh, you could be aware of them. You could smell them like the off-gassing of uh, tile mastic or carpet. Uh, you know, when you put in new carpet or paint, you can smell that. Others are not. Uh, carbon monoxide is a good example. So, you know, you don't smell it, you can't see it, and so it's a very dangerous type of an event. So one of the things that we need to understand is, home chemicals, the usage of different things that we're using in the home. So we've got some cool options. Would you like me to go ahead and explain that? And the customer says, well, yeah, why not? So we're having a conversation. I'm asking you a question, persuading you by involvement. You're giving me permission to come in. I've got this nice chart. There are annotations on this chart. Now, clearly, you can have your products and services positioned here. This is about you as a company, not about me. This is about you as a company deciding all right, what's my answer to these problems? So we can go right back up to this chart, or we can come back down here to the solutions, right? We use air advice. We identify what's going on, duct cleaning. We have all kinds of different solutions, humidity control. You'd be surprised how many people don't realize that humidity being controlled under 50% is what keeps bacteria viruses and molds, you know, from essentially harboring and being able to prosper. And so, you know, understanding how to control humidity in the south or in environments that have humidity uh, is a huge issue. And so uh, just that discussion alone is something that a lot of consumers don't know about. Uh, filtration systems, you know, explaining zoning, uh, controls, airflow, even temperature. This is where the technician is squarely in step six, the provide mode, but we're in step six because we've used step four with questions and step five checking and confirming, and we've also followed the principles of persuading by involving and earning the right to advance. You're inviting me into the conversation. I'm giving you information, education. Right now, you're in love with me. The reason you're in love with me is I'm not selling you anything. I'm training you, educating you, identifying options, and so we've got all kinds of good stuff on this. You know, we're super excited here at Contract University about our new podcast series, Unfiltered. It's me and Gary and Drew sitting around, sipping whiskey, smoking cigars, and riffing on the contracting business. Now, I want to share a short clip with you from this week's episode. It's all about, you know, how do you help other people once you've achieved the things in your life that you want? It's really all about contribution. I, it was, it's kind of funny. I was on a plane about a year ago. And I'm flipping through Yahoo News, and this little article comes up about this guy who was a military vet, came back from Afghanistan or somewhere in the Middle East, and he and his wife opened this little food truck. And the food truck had burned to the ground. 
uh, caught on fire. There was no insurance, and they you know lost everything. And they had a GoFundMe type thing. And honestly, I didn't think twice about it. I mean, because I've been so blessed and given so much. I jump on the GoFundMe and I put my credit card in and put five thousand bucks on this thing. Forgot about it. About six or eight months go by, and I get an email, and it was from a reporter up in some small town up in Oregon. You're the Weldon Long that gave such and such money to such and such person. And at first I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And I thought, oh yeah, that was that guy with the food truck. And so I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I did. And she said, well, why did you do that? You know, that was a pretty significant, you know, donation to make. And I said, well, number one, the guy sacrificed to serve in our country. And number two, I know how hard it is to make it in small business. It is not an easy task. And for this guy to lose their little truck and everything and... Uh, so anyway, she wrote this article with my comments on different things. Turns out they raised so much money, it was so much generosity from so many people, they got a food truck and had enough to open a restaurant, you know, and they were doing very well. And so it's like, to me, it's like, you can't put a price on that stuff, you know? I mean, helping somebody who's working their tail off to try to make it, comes across a misfortune, truck burns down, no insurance, you know? So. I think prosperity is about giving and contribution, and, and I'm sure that we could all give 100 stories like that, just little things we do for people. I hope you enjoyed that clip, and if you want to check out the full episode and all the other episodes, go to egia.org YouTube and catch all the episodes right there. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. We want to make sure that you're running the perfect demand service call. Build the relationship, investigate the pain, and of course, ask for the order. We'll see you right here next week on Cracking the Code. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye for now.